My name is Jamie Atkinson, founder of podcastclosing.com, and this show is built for six and seven figure entrepreneurs with podcasts who are looking to grow and scale their customer acquisition using that show. If you're a six or a seven figure entrepreneur with a podcast and you want to get featured on this show to talk about your own podcast journey, go to top100interview.com. Now over to your glamorous host, Brittany Chaterbock, and don't forget to subscribe for daily interview content. Hey guys, welcome back to the show. It's Bashi here. Today we have a super exciting guest, Heather Havenwood. She helps people start, launch, and grow their podcasts. She's also the host of the Uncaged Entrepreneur with Heaven Havenwood podcast. Welcome to the show, Heather. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to have you. We're going to have some great conversation. We'll cover what's working, your podcast, your challenges, and your goals. And I'm sure within that conversation alone, we'll have some great takeaways. Before we jump in, do you mind telling us a bit about your story and where you are today? Yeah. So I'm an entrepreneur and have been for almost 22 years. Um, I started the corporate world in Texas um, and just been a crazy journey ever since. I consider myself a marketer, an entrepreneur, and really a consultant to people to help them uncage their voice so they can make money from their knowledge. That's kind of where I'm at today, but it's definitely taken many twists and turns in that 22-year process. Um, But I think right now where we're at in today's world and my story, I can connect to the dots of that is people don't want to be captured into a cage of corporate. They want to be captured into a cage of creating their own worth and their value in the world. And I live by a principle that Jim Rohn said 5,000 years ago, it seems, but back in the 80s, and it said, you're paid for your value in the marketplace. And in today's world, we get to choose what our value is. And I think that that, um, that's going to just continue to grow and expand as people start to see that they want to uncage from the corporate world. So in the world of my story, my main, my main book is called Sexy Boss, how the empowerment of women is changing the rule book for money, success, and sex. And that really came from my own personal journey of being in the corporate world by beating the big boys and then getting punished for that. Um, I was punished very hard for beating the big boys. I wasn't supposed to. I was supposed to be a good little girl and shut up and be sweet and be kind and and not beat them at their own game. And I did. And I didn't know that that was going to be punished for that. Um, And so I had to grow up a little bit and realize that there's two games in the world, right? There's games of entrepreneurship and there's games of female versus male. And unfortunately, that's still in play. And but that's also growing. And so I created the book of Sexy Boss to really encourage women to uncage their voice and be true to themselves and true to their visions and to stop giving away their personal time, energy, and effort um, towards people that don't really feel that there's value there. That's my story. Very interesting. I, because you mentioned a couple of times that you were, you were punished for beating the big boys. If you don't mind me asking, what did that, what, what happened? Uh, A couple of times, but the main one, the one that was like the one that really woke me up is I was um, a cute girl in in Fort Worth, Texas. And during college, I was 22 years old and I went to a job interview um, and it was for sales because I knew that if I was going to make it in the world, I had to learn a skill set of sales. And so I went to that job interview. um, They, the guy said, now, honey, you're you know, you're a woman and this is sales and that's only for man and the whole thing. Um, And and I pushed back. And so he did hire me, but kind of in a, um, in a way, like they had bets against me. I was the only female outside salesperson. They had bets against me that I was never going to make it. 
And I did make it. Not only did I make those three months where the first three months you have to like hit quarter, you're out kind of thing, but I was there for four years. And my fourth year, not only was I succeeding, but I ended up being the number one, not in the office, not out of Texas, out of the entire country out of 10,000 reps at the age of 25. And because wow. I thought that I was supposed to be focusing on, on sales. So I did, you know, and I was thought I, this is it. This is, I made it. I, 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 sh- I showed them, I showed that I can do this as a female. And I uh, thought that was it. I got my pat on the head. Congratulations. You were number one in the country. And then I got my walking papers. They gave all my accounts to my assistant who was a male who was married with a kid and one on the way. And they said that he deserved it more than me because he was a man and had a, a mortgage and a wife. And so that was the truth. I could do anything about it. They gave my accounts away and literally stripped me of my entire uh, business that I had built inside the company. And I never thought in a million years I would be punished for winning. Like it was, yeah. how does that work? Right. I thought I was a good little girl making the company big money and making my boss look great because I was making her look good. And I was punished for that. And that was my big aha moment that there's two games. There's winning and sales, and then there's politics. And I didn't fall in line, right? And so that was the moment that turned into, oh, I'm going to create my own businesses. I'm going to be an entrepreneur. And so I'm not alone in that game. I'm not alone in that situation. I've heard many, many people, men included, by the way, but also women where they just, you know, they kind of showed the boys, if you will, that they can do and be better. And they're not always like, yay. It's more like, we don't like that. (laughs) So I'm not saying not all the time, but especially in my generation and past generations, that's, that was the game, but that was the turning point of my life to go on a mission to not only be an entrepreneur for myself and build my own business that no one can ever take away, but also to help and inspire people and women across the world to uncage their voice and their knowledge. So, and I don't know if that's something that anybody else in the audience will relate to, but a lot of times, you know, we hear like uncage your voice or like you need to start talking about your life and you need to start sharing and then, you know, the customers will come. How do you go about finding that voice? What if you have absolutely no idea what your purpose is, what you're supposed to even talk about, what your space is in the entrepreneurship world or entrepreneurial world? Well, just, you know, don't want to overstep the fact that you said that people don't, you don't think people in the audience will resonate. I think I disagree with you on that. I first want to say that there's a lot of people that I have come across from com- from companies in my own personal interviews that they do resonate from being successful, sometimes can be shot down for being that success. But that was not your question. Your question was really about how do you find your voice? Um, I work with a lot of people, um, more women than men, to really find out what their messaging is and what actually is the thing that they want to create the impact for, the who and then the what, right? It always starts with the who. And because my personal stories, I really focus specifically on people that feel that they have been um, not heard, you know, and not heard for who they are and what they, what they value in the world. So when I work with my clients, I always ask the question, what is their value in the marketplace? What do they think their value is in the marketplace and how can we enhance that, empower that and put a message to it? So that's really, you know, given your question, that's what I do with my clients. And of course, all my workshops and my one-on-one clients and beyond. So if they tell you, I don't know, how do you help them overcome that? 
It's a great question. I mean, I'd first ask, why are they on the call with me? Uh, what's their big <laughs> Yeah, I can't. You know, here's the thing. I, I need to say that in the face. I can't make anyone an entrepreneur. In fact, I've had people on the calls. I'm like, if you don't have a burning desire to be an entrepreneur, like, then don't. <laughs> you know what I mean, yeah. there's a lot easier ways in the world to make money. Um, it's not the easiest path. I think that entrepreneurs are not created. They are called. Um, and especially people of the people that I work with, they usually have conversations of, you know, I just got on the phone with a, a client just now. And he's like, I've been in corporate world for 30 years. Um, I've been successful. This last company, I was making an impact, but the board didn't like me. They kicked me out, even though he was a major success. Same thing. He got punished for being successful. He's like, I'm just done with it. I want to create my own path and find my own purpose and help the in, and impact the world. And his calling is impacting young teens of 20, 21, you know, 19, uh, like, I guess, older teens, young, young adults. That's his calling. And so we're creating what that message is and how that can land um, in, in a business setting so that he can get paid well for his message. So that's just one example, right, of <clears throat> you know, what, who's the, who he wants to impact. In his case, it's uh, young adults. And what's his why is he wants to help them through leadership and uh, coaching themselves through life, which is imperative for the future. Very interesting. Very interesting. <laughs> I'd love to know. So, cause you, you've been doing, you've been an entrepreneur for, you said 20 something years, right? Yeah. I'm only five. <laughs> <laughs> Four. You're like a day over three years old. Yeah. <laughs> I started um, when I was three with the baby dolls. I'm just kidding. I don't know. <laughs> Um, but what do you wish that you knew back when you first started that, you know, now oh God. a lot, <laughs> a lot, there's a lot there. Yeah. You know, I, for some reason this story just popped in my head. So I'll share it. I remember, um, in that corporate world, I kind of went to another corporate situation for a little bit, but then I, they moved me from a W2 to 1099. And I remember when they did that, I was like devastated. Like, I didn't know what that meant. And I called my dad in tears, like they're firing me because they're taking me from W2 to 10. I like, oh my God. He's like, dude, this is actually great. Like now you can like, you know, build other businesses and like get more clients. I'm like, what? You know, like I was in tears, like how, what's a 1099 and how do you get an LLC? And I was like <laughs> freaking out and, you know, I'm like on the phone with him and he's like, you go to this website, you know, <laughs> anyway, so but I didn't know. I didn't understand I was in a cage, you know, something that small, such a small move, right? From W2, which means that you they own you in a way, like you work for them and only them. But as soon as he moved, they moved me to a 1099, it moved me into like, oh, I can consult. Like I consult, I can now consult. So I started consulting speakers around the country on how to sell from stage. And I was like, oh, you mean I can, I could, I could not work for one company? Like that was this huge like I, I can, like I can take money from other people. Like how, how that works. So I think those are the small little things that I wish I could teach myself, you know, back then. But also the big thing is we, we create our value. Like I didn't understand that for a really long time. I was waiting for someone to tell me my value. I was waiting for a person or a company or a client to tell me my value versus like, no, this is my value. This is the result I'm going to get you. This is what I can provide for you. And this is how much I'm going to ask for, period, into conversation. And we're not taught those skills in high school. We're not taught those skills in college. We're taught those taught to follow the rules, follow what we say you are. We follow, follow, follow. In entrepreneurship, there's zero follow. 
It's like, what is, what can you create? What's the value you add to the marketplace? What's the value you add to the client? And then here's the price you're, you, you're, you're asking for. So mm-hmm. I think that's a big one that took me way more than 10 years to figure out. You know, I think if I could go back to my old 18 year old self, um, I would definitely say that to her and say, you need to create your value in the world. Stop waiting for the people to give you permission to be valuable. What was the first business that you started? From there, that was my first one. I started consulting. I started mm-hmm. consulting as uh, speakers. I was in the, I was uh, surrounded by top speakers in the real estate industry, like Robert Allen, Robert, you don't know if you know these names, Robert Allen, Ron LeGrand, uh, Kiyosaki, big names in the real estate investing industry. And so I was very good at sales um, and uh, yeah. I was very good at helping them close more from the stage. And I started teaching them um, how to do that. And they started paying me on, hey, to help me close more sales from the stage. Nowadays, it's like webinars and things like that. But back then in 2001, two, three, and four, we were flying around the country. I mean, it was very expensive to get in front of an audience. And so if you could close one more sale or 2% or even 3%, you know, you have a huge different profit margin. So that was my very first business that I accidentally started, you know, like, oh, I guess I'm a consultant, you know? <laughs> I'm a, you know, it was like, what? I'm an employee and I'm a consultant. I'm like, oh, what's that mean? You know, so that was my first little moment of, um, I guess I'm an entrepreneur now. You know, it was, it was one of those moments, right? The, uh, that was my very first business. I've gone on, I've created a information marketing, dating business, real estate investment business, a supplement company, wellness business. I took from zero to 1.5 million in sales, 18 months. I just started another supplement company last month. I mean, um, you know, entrepreneur, if you look at the definition of entrepreneurship is an entrepreneur adds value to the marketplace. Yeah. Right. That's what we do. It's, it's, we add value to the marketplace given what does the, what does the marketplace want, desire? Can we fill a need? That's an entrepreneur. So but that's technically the first business as a consultant. <laughs> that was really cool. And then that that supplement company that you just recently started, you did that all with ChatGBT, didn't you? I did. <laughs> <laughs> I did. Yeah. All the copy is ChatGPT. Um, yeah. It's called Haven Organics. It uh, comes from my own. I had a, um, a head injury and then I had PTSD from a situation so I started getting really into mushrooms. I started getting really into lion's mane and mushrooms and, and different other kinds of mushrooms, if you know what I mean, and started <laughs> to learn the brain. And so the company is completely around the natural healing of mushrooms. So yeah, kind of excited. Very cool. Very cool. I'd love to know what keeps you motivated. Um. Conversations like this, you know, conversations like this and helping more people and in conversations I had today with, again, um, a client and just super excited to see him kind of light up, you know, and wow, I can actually have my own personal brand of working for a company for 25 years. Like, I don't, you know, how do I do that? You know, just really helping people uncage their life. Like he felt very caged, you know, in his, mm-hmm. his last situation and he said that he's like, oh my God, I feel so free, you know? And I was like, yeah, yeah. I mean, those are the kinds of conversations that just light me up. And, um, um, those are the ones that definitely light me up. The ones that don't light me up are things like, I want to be famous. And I'm like, yeah, no, I, I'm not your girl. Yeah. 
Like, you know, it's like, if you become famous, that's an afterthought, but what's the purpose, right? Who are you impacting? What's the point, right? Mm-hmm. Who are you going to become and in the world? And what's the value? Again, you add the marketplace, Jim Rohn. I don't know if you know Jim Rohn, you might be too young to know who Jim Rohn is. Okay. That's adorable. But Jim Rohn, <laughs> she's like, no, she's shaking her head. <laughs> No, do not apologize. I just for the people who are audio listening, like she's shaking her. No, no. Um, Jim Rohn was, uh, he's no longer here on the planet, but he was a very big motivational speaker. We called it in the eighties and nineties. And he just had these like time tested principles of being a human being. You know, they were just, they're just time tested. They're not really about current culture, but they're about like who you are in the world. And my favorite is you're paid for your value in the marketplace. And what I love about that quote is that when he was saying that back in 85 or 90, you know, what was valuable then, right, is not now. But the statement still is true. So what's valuable now? Well, you know, Elon's valuable because he's doing all kinds of Elon stuff. You know, people who are doing chat GPT is that's now valuable in the world, right? I just read an article today I thought was interesting by Wall Wall Street Journal about Meta and Zuckerberg. And the whole article was basically about that Meta and the actual metaverse is really not valuable right now. It's not. It's not. Like, you know, the the people to buy land and the metaverse has gone down 90%. Yeah. Yet a year ago, there was huge articles about the future of Meta metaverse and I never well, really felt it but so my my opinion on the metaverse I think it's stupid first of all but right. I think that later down the line when shit kind of hits the fan I think it'll grow in popularity popularity just as yeah. an escape for people I think that's I completely going to turn to forget about what's going on in the real world and go and focus on their building their little <laughs> Metaverses. It's but it's such a great example of like you're paid for your value and the market. I think that it's a really interesting example because we all know who Zuckerberg is, we all know who Meta is, and like here's a guy who's like it's gonna be the future and the marketplace, like us, you and me, we're we're the marketplace. We didn't think it was valuable. Yeah, right. We we are the ones in control. We are. We say that ChatGPT is valuable. We say if NFTs are valuable. We say if Bitcoin's about. We we the marketplace control everything, and we looked at Zuckerberg. We're like, we don't think it's valuable. <laughs> you know, and so you know he's lost money. He's taking a shift or whatever. But I just think it's an interesting thing, especially in our today's world with Silicon Valley and whatever. Is sometimes we have people come out and go, "This is valuable," and the marketplace is like, "No." <laughs> I don't really know, not interested, you know, or we're like, this is by Amazon. Oh, well, this is, this is valuable to me. Or I get something overnight by clicking buttons. Yeah, that's valuable. So I think when we're as entrepreneurs and more of a minute, micro, you know, micro is macro, right? In a micro setting, um, you have to look at not what you want to put out there, what you think people need. It's what they think is valuable. Mm-hmm. versus you need this. Like kind of Zuckerberg was like, you need the metaverse. And we're going, now I kind of like living in the real world, you know? So I think that's where as entrepreneurs, if I could put anything in the listener, even as a podcaster, just remember 
our job is to serve the marketplace and to really listen to what they want, uh, not what they need. And that's a really important part. Absolutely. And I, I completely agree with you. Mm-hmm. So within, within your business, what is your focus going to be for the rest of 2023? It's a great question. Um, so I am expanding into, uh, I've been teaching podcasting I've, for the last three years. I've, I've helped produce and launch over 40 podcasts in the last 12 months. Um, I've lost count before then, so I don't know the number, but at least a hundred podcasters and shows. So one of the things I'm really moving into is helping people do uh, the software and the build out of that, like building out not only their podcast, but their show. And how do you build their show, their platform, their voice to monetize? How do you do that? So that's where I'm doing with all my clients right now, taking their shows, taking their YouTube, taking their whole platform, increasing their online presence, and then monetizing on the back end with the positioning and their pitching, right? It's all about sales. So how do you truly create a platform to then create the positioning and then create the pitch to convert that into profit? So what do you do to help them monetize? So you, okay, well, you said improving the pitching and the sales. So what does that look like? Is it as a means of booking more sales calls using their podcast or is it like as a, as an authority building tool? So the people who are listening are more inclined to buy or both. Yeah. So I think it starts with, again, the who, uh, who are we target marketing? What is actually the value add or the problem we're solving? And then as far as the conversion, so when you bring up when you bring up a call, I consider that a conversion tool, right? That's a conversion tool. Not everyone wants to do one-on-one, right? So some people like hammer most do one-on-one. Some people hammer webinar. Some people hammer three-day event. Some people hammer challenge. All those are conversion tools, mm-hmm. all of them. So I kind I don't have that perspective of one fits all. Um, I look at the person and go, do you want to be on sales calls all day? Or do you want to like hire that out? Or do you want to do a challenge and sell to one to many versus one to one? And I've done them all myself and with my clients. So for me, I like to really, again, make sure that the solution of the conversion is based on that person. So Mm -hmm. I don't have a perspective like many people do, like you must do it this way, or you must do a challenge. It's the only way. It's like, I don't agree with that because I know people that would be great on challenges. And then some people are like, hell no, you know, so I, it's horrible on challenges. (laughs) Right. Exactly. You know, but you're great one-on-one. And so I, I think that's where, again, as the entrepreneur is really listening of how can I serve the client versus throwing down their throat? It has to look one way. Um, I, I, but given that, given that, what I think works today, like that's a whole other conversation, right? What What's working today? I think what's working today really well is one-on-one sales calls. Like they do work that if that works for the client. The other one that works really well is what I call a small virtual three-day event, right? Um, three-day events where it's not a challenge, but just a three-day event giving value, maybe charging uh, $97, right? To create a threshold mm-hmm. for a buyer and create some intimacy. Um, I think that's a really good one. People buy on intimacy now more than content. And so they want to know, do I, can I trust this person? Like who the hell are they? Are they real? I want to feel them out for three days, even if it's virtually. 
And I think those are the two conversion tactics that really work in today's world. Yeah, I completely agree with the three-day run just because there's so much. There are so many people that are doing a lot of very similar things. Everybody resonates with somebody different. So by having those three-day events, they get to have a chance to see, okay, is this somebody that I can I can click with? Is this somebody that yeah. I trust versus the other person that I saw on my Instagram feed two hours ago? You know, I completely agree with you. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's interesting. I think we came from the last couple of years, given the current pandemic or, you know, however, whatever you want to call it. I think there was a, there was a time where it was result driven only <clears throat> people that were selling well. I think that in the last eight months, maybe, or more it's shifted into intimacy Yeah, where, you know, like there's a lot of people that could probably help get results, but I don't know. Do I align with them? You know, do I exactly do I get along with them? Are we we gonna work well together? You know, do I align with their values in the world? Like I've had people tell me they don't like me because I'm a single female. Because I'm not been married and I don't have children. They don't right. want to <laughs> I'm like, I got it. You know, like no problem. Right. So, and there's in the vice versa, people are like, oh, I love the fact that you're a sovereign woman and financially, and you're, I love that about you. Like I want to work with you. So it, it's, I think little things, even though it's like nothing to do with that, like it's nothing to do with that. I don't even talk about relationships in my, in my, you know, in my um, coaching and consulting, but they just feel because there's a value on this personal level then they'll say yes to me. You know, it's, it's interesting, right? Some people want to keep that separate. Like my personal life has something to do with me. Well, technically not really, it doesn't, but those are the kinds of things that people buy from, right? If I was a gay black male, right? Let's just say, I'm sure there's people that are going to resonate with that or not. It yeah. may buy, even though the results like, or they might go, I don't care what you are. I just want the results. You have, you're going to get me. I think that is an important part of, of selling right now, especially on podcasting, share more about who you are in the world, right? Share, like I'm a single female. I live in Florida. Why? Cause I love the beach. I don't have a dog, but I'm a dog lover. I will get one soon. You know, like these are important <laughs> things in life, right? Yeah. Like I'm a dog lover. I just don't have one at the moment. <laughs> I'm not a cat lover, but you know, people like, oh, oh. my God, you're a <laughs> Right. Yeah. I mean, right. like, oh, I'm a dog lover. You and I we're, we're the same person. Yeah. So I, it, it's such a small thing, but people buy on that, right? People buy on, or not buy on that. Oh, if you're a cat person, like, <laughs> you know, whatever, it's super weird. I think, think what it is, is we, I completely agree with you. We, we like to have something to identify with. Yeah. That's like every, every single person's like that. So even if it's something small, like like you said, a gay black male would like, it would probably prefer to learn from a gay black male who is uh, several steps ahead of him because that's what he can identify with. He can feel like he has something to identify with. That's what that, yeah, yeah, pretty much. It's, so. it's, 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 it's and, 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 and this is not, if someone's listening going, oh, it's not, this is not racist. I'm not Jennifer, none of that. No, 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 it's no, 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 no. It's identification of like, 
you're my people, you know, in the, in the green room, you and I were talking, I'm born and raised in Houston. You're sitting in Houston. I knew exactly where you live. We totally connected on the fact that I know where you live, you know, and yeah. I, I know your experience of life right now. Cause I, I know the area <laughs> or your so house. Great. I know, yeah, yeah. She's like, it sounds great. I'm like, I totally understand. Cause I used, you know, yeah. I, I used to live in Houston. So I think it's that connection of people just want to go, Oh, there's a connection point here. You're kind of like me and I can lean in. Right. It's when we hear that, that we lean back. Um, and just to give an example of someone that I lean back from that many people lean into is Gary V. I, I can't lean into him. I just can't deal with the hustle shit. Sorry, is it? I can't. I I can't. Sorry, I apologize. I I just, you know, my body just goes. You know, every time I hear him, I I think his principles are great. I think who he, you know, congratulations, an entrepreneur. Go Gary, go. But I don't consider him a virtual mentor in any way, right? And that's okay. I resonate with other people that I'm like, yeah. I this person. I get them. I get what they're saying. Mm -hmm. I resonate and I love that. So I think that's one thing about people on podcasting and events or just anything. I think it's like, I can, if I can encourage you just like you and I were connecting in the green room is to share, right? Share about yourself outside of just a, a construct called results. That's my point that. Yeah. No. And I, I, I completely agree. I think this is why it's so important for people to go and find their voice and go and share their voice and share their story and share what they have to say. Cause everybody identifies with something different. Yeah. The more people there are, the more, I hate to say, the more options there are, the better, because you get to find your people that way, but on both sides of the spectrum, on both sides of the 5,000 spectrums There's so many now. Right. But yeah. there's, <laughs> Yeah, there's like what I don't know what spectrum we're on anymore at this point. Um, I, I mean, but, like listener and podcaster. But. Oh yeah, listener. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Yeah, no, I agree with that. I, people will resonate with you on the smallest of things. And there was a gentleman who I was—he, I consider him a virtual mentor for years. You know, he talked about his dog all the time. His dog was named Millionaire Dog. Like I can, I can still remember that. You know, you visualize this little stupid dog who was like, you know, <laughs> on his little lap like he's writing copy, and you're like, it's totally a millionaire dog. <laughs> you know, and you like resonate. He's a dog person. He must be cool. Like you know, I don't know. <laughs> you know, it's like it's probably. I'm sure it's true, but. Yeah, I just encourage men and women, whomever, I just to uncage their voice. And I feel that right now that I want to encourage women to be louder with their voice, like mm -hmm. be, share more about themselves uh, as a holistic person, um, whatever those things are, right? So like I shared earlier, I've had PTSD, I've had um, some trauma happen, and I launched an entire business about shrooms because I want to be able to have conversations about PTSD and, and, and some of my trauma that I've had as a woman and how things have overcome that and how I believe in psychedelics as a possibility for people to enhance their lives. I'm, I'm a believer in that because I'm a, I'm a, you know, belief and user of that. Um, that's what entrepreneurs get to do. Boxing ourselves in tiny little boxes just doesn't work anymore. 
Yeah, I completely agree with you. All right, we are we are like way over our time, but I still have a few Sorry. more questions to go through. No, it is all good. I'll all go, good. It's a great I'll conversation. No, it's all good. Let's cover your podcast a little bit. What was the yeah. intention behind starting the podcast? I can guess what the meaning is behind the name. Yeah. But okay. What yeah, kinds yeah, of things yeah. you talk about on there? Yeah, this is great. So I want to share real quickly. Um, this is my fourth name of my show. And uh, when I started in 2015, it was called The Win. Uh, why? Because I could not think of another name. It's like, okay. <laughs> and then it Something's was- better than nothing. Exactly. It was, I share that because you don't have to get the perfect name. You just got to launch the baby. And then the baby got called like a boss. And that went on for a while. And that kind of resonated with sexy boss. And then a couple of years ago, I was like, mm, it's more about uncaging, uncaging everything. And my ne- my next book is coming out in July of 2023 called Uncaged, right? So, cause that's the premise I'm on. That's my platform. So the reason I say that is because really what I talk about now is I'm really focusing on people that are uncaging or have uncaged could have been from corporate. It could have been from something else personally, could have been from a trauma, could be from come from the government could be whatever that story is. Cause there's a lot of health practitioners right now are going through their own uncaging process of their belief systems around their current or past career based on what's happened the last two years, there's a lot of people uncaging from multiple things. Some people are uncaging of conversations called they no longer believe in marriage because they feel it's a cage. That's, that's a, a conversation that's come up. Right. So I think that there's a lot of uncaging happening and I don't call it unleashing because that's first of all, that's Tony Robbins thing. Um, I call it an uncaging thing because people are uncaging from old belief systems. Marriage is an old belief system. Some people don't believe it anymore. Some people do, right? Companies, corporate, W2, those are all some level of a cage. And I think people are discovering other, um, you know, freedom. It's really about freedom. So instead of calling freedom podcast, I call it uncaged. (laughs) I love it. I love it. What have, so as somebody who helps people grow and launch their podcasts, sometimes we have trouble doing it for ourselves as people who provide services. It's really easy for us to do it for our our clients, but it's a lot harder for us to do it for ourselves. What are some of the challenges that you have personally experienced when it comes to growing your own podcast? Okay. A couple things with that. So when you share about, it's hard to um, promote for ourselves. One of the things when I first started my show in 2015, the thing I had to deal with right at the time was what I call self-promotion fears. Like if you look at our system, college, even junior high, high school, it doesn't teach you. I'm amazing. Look at me. I'm amazing. It's like, it doesn't, it's like, no, yeah. no, no. no. I don't know, fall in the line, get out of line. Why are you in line? Out of line, Johnny. You know, it's it's all about getting in line and it does not teach you self-promotion. That yeah. is not a word. We don't have self-promotion one-on-one in college, right? So entrepreneurship and when you're a podcaster in a way you're like, hi, look at me. <laughs> it's a very self-promotion conversation. And so I had to deal with that as a Baptist girl gone bad. I grew up in the Baptist Southern Houston area. And I had to get 
out of that, which I was told, shut up, be quiet. No one asked you, you're a girl. We didn't ask your opinion. That's all the stuff I was brainwashed since I was two years old, six years old. Right. So all of a sudden I'm on, I'm a podcaster and I'm inviting people who I don't know on my show. And I'm like, hi, I'm you're listening to me. Like, it's very awkward. So the first thing I had to do was give myself permission, like give myself permission to self-promote number one. Um, I think the number two thing, as I've grown my podcast and I've evolved, you know, like I said, three names, like I've, I've, I've shifted, I've evolved, grown. And I think sometimes the name of the show or the original intention of the show, we get either bored with it or not where I'm at anymore. What do I do? Kill my show? It's like, no, can I shift? Am I allowed to shift? So I'm giving yourself permission again, give myself permission again to shift and say, I'm going to change my name and change the whole look and feel and change who I'm talking to and giving myself permission to do that. And that's not what's shown. If you look at, let's say the today show. Okay. Have the people changed the today show? Yeah. Has the intention changed at the Today Show? No, it is at 8 a.m. for two hours and it's focus on moms. You know, like it is very freaking clear of the intention. So as a podcaster and as an entrepreneur and as a person, giving yourself permission to shift is really important. And I I know for my fact, I have clients come to me and go, I started this show, but like, I'm not there anymore. I'm totally going in this whole new direction. Like, do I just kill it? I'm like, no, 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 no. You rename it. You keep the same RSS feed. You rename it, you rebrand it. And then you tell people, Hey listeners, I love you. This is who I am now. This is direction. If you don't like it, I totally understand. Thank you for listening for all the years or months. This is the direction of the show's going now and give yourself permission to let people say, I'm not going to ride with you anymore. And that's okay. Yeah. I think that's a good one. No, I, I completely agree with you. I love that. Give yourself permission to shift. Yes. What you are right now doesn't have to be what you are going to be forever. That's right. And I think I'm speaking to women just a little bit more than men, only because women, we love variety. We love adventures. Why we have shoes. You know I mean? Look at our closet. <laughs> Hello. You know, how many pairs of shoes I wear in a day? At least three, sometimes four, you know, because we're just, we are women. We love variety, adventure, change. We change a lot. We just change as women. And when I started, I was like, I don't know, 36. I'm now 47. My whole life is different. I used to live in Texas. Now I'm in Florida. Like my, I was engaged. Now I'm not, you know, I had a dog. My dog's dead. Like change. I'm not going to be okay. My, my, you know, my life is different. So I'm going to be talking about different things, Yeah, you know? And I think it's like, if we don't give ourselves permission, especially on podcasts, because it's so intimate to change I think it's really important. And the last thing I'll say to that is um, I interviewed, I was going through a very bad breakup, a, 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 you know, engagement like that. And uh, I was told and that he was a narcissist and I didn't know what that meant at the time. And so what did I do? I went out and I found this amazing woman who like, this is all she focuses on. She's in like Australia or something crazy. And I got her on my show and I will be honest, if you ever listen to that episode, it is, is a, it's, it's me in therapy. It wasn't even a show. I was like, okay, here's what happened. And she's like, you know, she's literally counseling me and I was okay with that. I put it out. Yeah. It, I think 
you know, be vulnerable. And people came, people literally messaged me. It was like, that was awesome. Cause I didn't interview her. I was literally like on the couch, you know, and people really, really kind of found a different part of me. And I exposed that. And then the course, it helped them as well. I, I completely see why. I mean, awareness around narcissism is on the incline. A lot more people are, you know, they know about, about this now. So it's, they may not have been able to put a name to it before, but I'm sure after hearing your show, they're like, oh, okay. So that's, that's what was happening to me. That's what I was going through. Well, that's what gaslighting is. You're like, oh. <laughs> that's what yeah. love bombing is. Okay. Yeah, exactly. That's what love bombing is. You're, so you're telling me he didn't fall in love with me after three days. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but it felt so good. I don't understand what, what's happening. Yeah, I totally get it. Oh my gosh. All right, Heather, thank you so, so much for coming on the show. If you had to give one piece of advice to anybody who feels like their voice is caged or yes. they want to start a podcast, what would it be? Sit with the statement, you're paid for your value in the marketplace. And just to restate that, you're paid for your value in the marketplace that you give yourself, not what your parents say your value is or boyfriend or girlfriend or whatever your friends say your value is what your value is in the marketplace because the marketplace is what needs you, wants you, and will pay for you. Absolutely. Thank you so much once again for coming on, Heather. You're welcome. Group, if you're listening and enjoyed, please like and subscribe. If you're a six-figure entrepreneur and would like to come on the show, please visit top100interview.com. Bye. Hey everyone, I hope you really enjoyed that episode. As always, if you want to listen to more daily interview content, make sure you subscribe. And here's three ways I can help you in your business for free. One, check out my video on how we're building a pipeline that produces 30 plus prime sales calls every single week using podcast setters and a basic interview funnel. And this is actually how I was able to quit social media forever. You can go to podcastrebels.com forward slash setters. Two, if you're a six or a seven figure entrepreneur with a podcast, we actually want to interview you on one of our top 100 shows. Head to top100interview.com and then three, download our podcast closing formula. It shows you how to create a podcast sales team that books out your sales calendar each week using the podcast closing client attraction method. And you can go to podcastrebels.com forward slash podcast formula. Now at podcastclosing.com, we help six and seven figure entrepreneurs with podcasts create a system for predictable client acquisition without relying on paid advertising or social media by building out podcast sales teams. Now, if you want help turning your podcast into a high ticket client acquisition machine, then book a call with our team to see how we can help. Go to podcastrebels.com forward slash chat. All right, guys, we'll see you in the next interview.